Welcome to another episode of the Responding to Life podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Dr. Elizabeth Grill, who is a clinical psychologist at the Center for Reproductive Medicine and Infertility and is assistant professor of psychology in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Reproductive Medicine and Psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital Whale Medical College of Cornell University. Dr. Grill is experienced as a counseling psychologist and medical researcher with a special focus on the emotional aspects of infertility, IVF treatment, cancer-related infertility, and sexual dysfunction. She provides individual couples and group therapy for patients participating in all forms of assisted reproduction. Dr. Grill is also a board member and vice chair of Resolve, the National Infertility Association. Today, Dr. Grill will be sharing how to be a fertile friend during the holiday season to someone experiencing infertility and how to support your own mental health during the holidays if you are struggling with infertility. Welcome to the show, Dr. Grill. I'm so excited to have you on the Responding to Life podcast. Um, thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so as I, I introduced you in um, the beginning of the episode, you have an extensive background on supporting people as they try to conceive. I'm sure you've come to notice some patterns among the one in eight who need assistance with reproductive therapy. So based on your experience, I'd love for you to share with the audience your thoughts on why infertility and its treatment um, can be considered a life crisis. Yeah, absolutely. So in fact, there's research that supports that the depression and anxiety that IVF patients experience are actually equal to patients diagnosed with heart disease, cancer, and HIV. And that on a life event scale, the failure of IVF is rated equal to breast cancer, death of a family member, and worse than divorce. So usually when I give presentations or I'm talking to patients, I usually put this out there right away because it's not to make people feel worse, of course, it's actually to validate the fact that this is such a tremendous amount of stress um, on individuals and couples as they go through this. And the reason is that it's really all-encompassing, right? I mean, financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, it impacts every aspect of a person's life. They're juggling doctor's appointments. They're withdrawing from family and friends. Um, they're learning new terminology. They're giving injections. It's just all-encompassing. It taps into so many different losses and grief and self-esteem, loss of feeling normal, loss of control is a really big one. You know, everyone likes to be in control, and this really takes a lot of that away. Absolutely. And, you know, the word validate really struck out, um, stuck out to me as you were speaking. I mean, everything that you said was... Um, is exactly what that was. It was validating for me, even though I'm um, long past my beginning days of going through IVF, I definitely felt like I was going through a life crisis, but I didn't have that research that you mentioned up front about how this compares to the experiences that other people have when they're going through um, other big illnesses. Uh, but that is exactly how mm -hmm. I felt. And so I love that you are validating that for uh, the people that you work with and the people who are listening and just the community in general. So, you know, with yeah, you know, and it's, and I was just going to add, it's too bad that it's that way because with cancer patients, you know, you have communities rallying around you where they send lists of who's going to cook for this person or send food in one night, who's going to sit with the person during chemotherapy. And you just don't have that same sense of support and lack of shame around the infertility experience. 
right? And and it really should be that where people are volunteering to give the injections or go for the ultrasound and you know pick up or drop off from you know transfer and and there's just more isolation isolation and withdrawal shame around the fertility journey that you don't see with these other illnesses that we know cause equal amounts of distress. That's a really good point, right? Because um, we could all use support, and it's definitely not something that is talked about as if one were, you know, going through an illness um, and getting, you know, that readily available support from people who want to help you out. But because, you know, of that whole factor of shame, as you mentioned, sort of tied around this idea of, of infertility, it really is hard to talk about it and make people aware that you're going through something like that in order to then get those next steps of getting help. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely could have used that myself uh, on many occasions. Um, Mm -hmm. And so why, you know, the people who are struggling to conceive, uh, one thing that uh, you had mentioned to me um, in in notes leading up to this interview was the topic of withdrawal. Um, Withdrawing from family and friends as you're going about your path to parenthood. I'd love for you to shed some light on on that topic. Yeah, I mean, people tend not to understand, you know, what others are going through. And often very well-intended family members feel really entitled or or friends feel very entitled to touch on very private and painful areas with very intrusive questions or, you know, quote unquote, professional advice that they're giving. And that can be very alienating for people if they don't feel understood or they feel bombarded with advice that's really not helpful. And so people will begin to isolate and withdraw during a time when they actually need support more than ever. So when I'm counseling people, I usually try and help them understand the difference between setting really healthy boundaries with toxic people that really are doing harm versus maybe helping others provide what it is that they need, right? And that can change from moment to moment. You know, maybe one day you want to talk about your journey, maybe the next day you don't want to talk about it at all. And it's hard for other people to keep up with that. So like I said, most of the time it's well-intended people who care, um, but nevertheless, the impact on the person can be a feeling of isolation. Like, you know, people don't really understand what I'm going through. I'm all alone in this. Um, If people can't turn to family and friends, often I will suggest that they turn to support groups like, you know, Resolve, you can go on resolve.org. They have therapists they can refer to. They have support groups that they offer online and in person. And being with people who really get it and understand what you're going through can often be the, the people you wind up closest with through this journey and not necessarily, you know, your mom that you talk to about everything or your best friend you grew up with. So being open-minded to finding the support where you need it so you don't wind up too isolated is really important. Yeah, no, that, those are excellent points about um, setting up boundaries and seeking support. And um, it really can be such a lonely process, very isolating, as you pointed out. And, you know, you don't need like tons of people, but you do need a few people to, at, at the very least, empathize and be able to reach out to when you're in the lowest of your lows as you go along this process. Um, As you mentioned, uh, the Resolve organization, that's the National Infertility Association that you are working with, and they've teamed up with First Response 
to launch an initiative called Fertile Friends, which highlights available support and resources for people who are experiencing infertility, as well as tips for friends and family on how they can support those who are trying to conceive. So I'd love to hear more about how someone can be a fertile friend during this upcoming holiday season um, to those who you know, are trying to conceive. Yeah, it's a great resource because I often have people, friends and family say, you know, I want to do better. I want to be able to support this friend or this loved one that I have that's going through this. And I always feel like I'm saying the wrong thing or I'm upsetting them. And so Resolve came up with this great resource and list that you can just go ahead and look up. And there's things on it like, you know, first let them know you care sincerely, you know, tell the person who's going through the struggle or the journey that we care. We're not just here to kind of gossip about your condition. We're not going to go talk to other family members about this. You can trust us. Um, make it clear that you're there unconditionally for whatever they need. And I think the best way to ask is to say things like, what can I do to help? Or what do you need from me right now? Rather than assuming you know the answer to that, which is impossible to read the mind of someone going through this, as you, as you probably remember, you know, one minute, you're upset people aren't reaching out the next minute you wish no one would talk to you and and it's okay that's normal as you go through this and so having people understand that and saying look I know this changes from minute to minute so just let me know what you need right now and I'll be there for you um, you know really avoid giving advice that's a big one you have to tell people that you trust their intuition and their research and the doctors they've chosen and that they know their bodies best and as an individual or a couple you trust that they're making the right decisions and that you're there as a sounding board. But what you don't want to do is start saying, oh, well, you know, my neighbors, um, friends, child, use this doctor or use this protocol. Or are you sure you're really getting the best advice? Because creating that doubt is not supportive at all. And it's already, you know, a long and painful journey to begin with. Um, Talk about other things. That's a good one. You know, if you're pregnant and you're talking to your best friend who's not pregnant, don't talk about how nauseous you feel and all your pregnancy symptoms. If you already have kids and you're talking to someone that's trying to conceive, don't talk about your kids because you'll wind up saying flippant things like, oh my God, you have no idea how hard this is. It's such a nightmare. And to the person who wants it desperately, it's not a nightmare at all. It's what they desire most in the world. And so people just make flippant comments or they spend too much time talking about their pregnancies and their children. So really being sensitive, I think is, is important. And I think those are some of the main ones. Yes, those are all wonderful suggestions for um, supporting someone. And I get that question a lot. And as you were describing um, what it's like to be on the receiving end of uh, support, I could remember myself fielding many of those comments and questions. Um, and I think for me, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, most helpful things that someone said to me was just, I'm here. I'm here whenever you need. Mm -hmm. They didn't offer any advice. They didn't sort of put the ball in my court of saying, like, I'm here to help you. What do you need? Like at that moment, at that moment in particular, I was grieving the loss of a second trimester um, loss. And I oh just didn't want to have to think about it. You know, a lot of times people are just like mm -hmm. in their head as they're trying to conceive and to have to think about how you in particular, this friend who's trying to help can help them is just another thing that is not really like helpful because it made me like think more about, well, how can you it's be so true. you know? Um, it's so, so true. Just, and sometimes you don't know. 
You don't right. know. You just need to be. You're just in it, right? So having someone say, you know, I'm just here. I'll just sit here with you and be in it with you. That's sometimes yes. the best thing that you can offer as support. Yeah, yeah. And it's uncomfortable for people. I get it. You know, not having like an action step or something to do mm-hmm. like that's busy to really provide you with um with some help. But sometimes that's really just the most helpful. But um, but the other suggestions you offered and, were fantastic. And people don't like discomfort. You know, the person going through it doesn't like to be uncomfortable and the people around you don't want to see you suffer. So the what they do is like exactly what you said. They come up with an action item because it, it helps them feel less uncomfortable. But learning to just sit with someone's pain is actually sometimes the most powerful thing you can do, you know, to support them and also just not to take things personally. You know, if your friend or family member decides to leave a holiday party early or another function early or not come at all or mute you on social media, you know, um, don't take it personally. Try and understand what it's like to walk in their shoes and just accept and say, I understand. Do what you need to do. I'll be here for you no matter what. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads me to my next um, question for you specifically about the holiday season is how now talking about the people who are actually going through it, who are trying to conceive, how can they support their mental health specifically during this holiday season? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, dealing with family can be one of the most difficult parts of the holiday season and family gatherings often involve children and the dreaded announcement of a new pregnancy. And so, you know, these factors really result in people withdrawing and avoiding gatherings altogether because it triggers that loss and that grief associated with everything that they're going through. So it may be valuable for people to, you know, walk through the entire holiday season in their minds and think about the gatherings they normally go to and what it may consist of. Um, Like I said before, realize people may ask intrusive questions, be prepared for those, come up with answers. You know, one of my patients just had her younger sister announce that she was pregnant without even trying while they were gathered for the Jewish holidays. And Mm -hmm. once everyone finished congratulating her, they turned to my patient and said, wow, your baby sister really beat you to it. You know, when are you guys going to catch up? Mm-hmm. And so questions like that, you know, if people can go in with their one-liners and be prepared, it's going to feel much better walking into these family gatherings and holiday celebrations. So one thing, if you want to just respond, I always break it down into a polite response, an educated response, and then kind of your zinger or your sarcastic response. So in that situation, a polite response would be something like, you know, thank you for your interest in our family building. When we have good news to share, you'll be the first to know. Or if you feel like you want to educate them, you can say, you know, it takes some people longer than others to conceive and just leave it at that. And if you're just feeling fed up, you know, and you want to be sarcastic, you could say, you know, it looks like we're the one in eight who don't conceive as easily as we'd like, or, you know, we're working on it. Or you could be really sarcastic and say, you know, we're waiting to see how the dog turns out, you know. So finding ways that if you're, if you're partnered with someone that the two of you agree or the way you want to go with this, or just finding your own narrative and language can make you feel really prepared as you walk in, you know, to these situations. And then I'd say the other thing is really setting boundaries. Um, You can set boundaries in a lot of different ways. You can limit your participation, right? You can say, we're going to come for dessert, but not dinner. Um, Mm. We're going to skip the part where the kids are opening presents around the Christmas tree. We don't want to be part of that. So that you're limiting your time that you're around kids and you're limiting your time and exposure to potential inquisitions from others. Um, If you're going in with a partner or a friend, have signals and signs ready to go 
like, hey, I'm going to tap, you know, squeeze your hand three times or kick your leg under the table. And that means we're out of here. I've had enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Or run to the bathroom and text your partner like we got to go. I'm crying in the bathroom. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not doing this, you know. Um, Alternatively, if you want to be more in a position of control, like I said, so much of this is out of control, you can host the activity. So you can stay really busy in the kitchen and clearing plates and have excuses to duck away and and not have to be sitting at a table listening to things or receiving intrusive questions. So just give yourself protective space, I think would be my biggest advice. You know, if you do want to try and go to these gatherings and holiday celebrations, like if you're traveling, stay at a hotel or with friends, right? Don't don't stay in a household that's going to be filled with kids where people are going to be cornering you with questions. Um, talk with family and friends ahead of time. Tell them, hey, we're only going to come to this part. We're going to leave a little bit early. Or if they know what you're going through, say, if I get overwhelmed, I'm going to have to duck away. Please don't ask me any questions. If I suddenly have to go for a walk, it's because I need some air, you know. Um, or you can say, I prefer that this topic not be discussed. I don't want to ask. I don't want any questions asked around my family building decisions. Or just don't go. You know, self-protection is different from selfishness. And so I tell people like taking care of yourself, if you're feeling too fragile or too vulnerable to go be a part of your normal, typical holiday traditions, it's really okay to say, we just really can't make it this year. And give yourself permission to self-protect that way. And then maybe start a different ritual, you know, go away with your partner or order in good food and sit by a fire and watch a movie, create your own traditions around a holiday or or host another holiday that's not so about the kids new year's eve or valentine's day um so i think those are kind of the things that come to mind as the biggest things you can do i loved all of them and uh in particular (laughs) i loved how you had the the messaging or like key messages when you're doing um you know it reminds me of like when you're speaking about yourself or your company to have these messages ready um, and how you broke them up into different, um, different types, like education yeah. or just a, a zinger, you know, because you will mm-hmm. be asked the same questions over and over again when you put yourself out there, when you're, you know, mixing with family and friends or even strangers, Absolutely. the same questions yeah. come up. And I don't know why I would always still just get flustered by it. Like it always, I knew they were coming, but yet at the same time, I would get like, almost like someone um, punched me in the stomach and I would be yeah. so flustered but if you know if you have it ready and sort of practiced and you're used to saying it it becomes less and less um, harder to just say in the moment and also easier to not tie it with so much emotion almost um, exactly. but you know having them practiced and with your partner is fantastic advice when you're going into these really high stress and high triggering events and all the other things that you mentioned were fantastic too. I never thought about that whole idea of, of actually hosting the event because you're right. Like I know I host so many family events and I'm always so busy. Like I feel like I never get to interact with someone, but that's exactly what you want when you're, when you're wanting to celebrate, be a part of it, but not necessarily like have all the time on your hands to like field these questions yep. and that was a great one um that's why i say it takes deliberate thought like really sit down with your partner and think through you know are we going to go to your family's house my family's house at francis what do we normally do what do we want to do do we want to shake things up this year do we want to do nothing 
and just plan around all of this. It's the planning that leads to the sense of control and empowerment over the situation. It's what you said, like feeling like you're walking into a situation where you're going to get flustered and overwhelmed. That that's the part that's you know turns into the struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you're exactly right in terms of the control um, and the planning. And you know, I talk often when I'm talking about mindfulness and and stuff that um, if you can just take a pause that gives you that moment to really just, first of all, just like introduce some calm into your body, but also then it gives you a chance for clarity, right? Because then you can really be honest mm-hmm. with yourself. You can look at the situation clearly. And then from there, you're able to make these, um, these action steps and, mm-hmm. and then execute, execute upon them versus doing it sort of from a state of, you know, emotion and, and what have you. And then you mentioned, um, that's the last thing you mentioned that I really appreciated. Um, Just giving yourself permission, not <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Giving yourself permission. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot about the, the holidays is, are these expectations, right? You know, there's so many traditions. And so we're expected to like, like in your own mind, like follow these family traditions that we do every year. But I love how you brought up that you can make your own. You can make your new ones mm-hmm. and and then celebrate in your own way at you know, at your own pace and what feels right for you. Um, so all great things that people can uh, utilize and give a shot during this very busy upcoming holiday season. Um, and just, and, re- and just, I'd add to that, just remember, you don't have to be happy during the holidays. There's all these images we're bombarded with of like between the holiday cards and the marketing and advertising and store decorations and all the items are geared towards children and images of happy families, you know, trick-or-treating and matching costumes or sitting around the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas tree. And, you know, these picture-perfect scenes that are marketed to us are very painful reminders for those struggling to conceive of what they want more than anything that don't have yet. So mm-hmm. instead of it making them feel the joy of the holiday season, they feel miserable and depressed and alienated from others. So I just want to stress that that's normal. Again, the validation, like, it makes people feel worse and more guilty that they're not feeling happy during the holidays rather than knowing it's actually completely normal if that's what you're feeling, given what you're going through. Oh, I love that you brought that up. Yes, absolutely. And it goes back to that idea of expectations, right? Because of what we're mm-hmm. sort of fed over our lives that the holidays are, you know, equated with happiness and joy. I mean, it's even in many of the holiday things. Um, but it's okay to not feel that way because of what you're experiencing. And I think that has to be a constant sort of um, self-talk reminder for oneself as you're going mm-hmm. through it, that it's okay to feel the way I'm feeling and not feel the way I'm, they're all telling me I'm supposed to be feeling during this particular time of the year. Um, so great. That's such great advice. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, I'd love for you to speak upon um, the Resolve organization and just, you know, what kind of resources for those who aren't aware of it, like I myself wasn't aware of it until many years ago, um, but it's such a great resource and what they can find on the website as well as well as with this new initiative with First Response. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been an incredible resource. They just keep building and building upon the website. So if you just go to resolve.org, there's so much content and material there for support, whether you're going through a loss and miscarriage or just deciding on other options, like moving on to donor egg or adoption or child-free living or, um, 
you know, coping with the holidays and strategies. And you can also, as we mentioned, send your loved ones and friends there saying, hey, I don't have the time or energy to really educate you on how to be a more supportive person during this, but there are places you can go read about it. So you can send them there as well. So it's just a lot of content and a lot of resources there. And then in addition to that, their support groups are wonderful because feeling isolated is such a hallmark of going through this. And if it's really important people get the support they need from those who really understand. So joining a, you know, a support group either online or in person can really help with that feeling of isolation and alienation that so many people feel. And then they also have ways to connect people with, you know, mental health professionals in the area. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Definitely seek out the resources that are already there, like at Resolve, because there's no reason people need to feel, you know, so alone in this when there's so much out there and so many people are ready to help. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that with us because you're right. It's, it is a wealth of information and resources and tools on the Resolve site. And uh, I remember I could have definitely used this back like 18 years ago when I first started trying to conceive. Um, it's so helpful to go to a place like this and feel like the conversation is normalized and destigmatized and that I'm not alone and that there are so many different options for support. So thank you for sharing that with the audience. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such a wonderful conversation and provided so many actionable tips for our listeners for how to handle the holiday season coming up while they are in the midst of trying to conceive. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm so happy that I was able to help out. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode with Dr. Elizabeth Grill. I hope you found her actionable tips on how to manage and navigate the holiday season to be extremely helpful. As a reminder, I now offer fertility, pregnancy, and parenting-specific meditations and life coaching sessions, as well as online workshops and my two books on mindfulness. Simply go to my website, jatlurie.com for more info. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at josephinerlurie. Lastly, I now offer free support groups via the Peanut app. Download the free app and look for my support groups. The first one is called Journey to Motherhood for TTC and Infertility Wellness. And the second group is called Thrive and Grow Pregnancy, Postpartum, and Mamahood Mindfulness Support. I'd love to connect with you on a more personal level via these groups.